In order to prevent meltdowns, it's not enough to just improve the system, better teams are needed as well. The authors of this book give four pieces of advice to build better teams. First, we should encourage people to speak up. You may wonder, isn't this common practice? Almost every team leader does it, brainstorming in a roundtable discussion, setting up suggestion boxes, or conducting polls. These are all common approaches of team management. But let's think about this, are they actually working? The truth is more often than not, these measures fail to achieve their goals. Any employee can easily point out why they fail, it requires a lot of courage to voice different opinions in a team, let alone speak directly to the leader. Based on this consideration, many take the approach of anonymous suggestion boxes or calls. But these measures actually convey an opposite message to the staff, it's dangerous to speak your mind openly in an organization. Therefore, we must create an atmosphere to let all personnel know that they won't be punished for speaking up, because everyone's opinion matters. There are several ways to achieve this goal. For example, leaders can learn to soften power cues, having equal communication with other team members. Organizations can also introduce training programs that teach team members the language of dissent, so they can feel free to speak up when they spot any problem. Moreover, another simple but very practical approach is that leaders speak last in discussions. With such open leadership, team members will be more ready to share their thoughts. We should realize that if we are not encouraging people to speak up, then we are discouraging them. It's simply not enough to not do anything negative. In a complex system, everyone has a limited perspective, so we must communicate what we have to get as much of the whole picture as we can. If we miss anything, the result can be a disaster. So, if we want to avoid catastrophe, what we must do is to create an atmosphere that everyone feels comfortable to speak up. The second approach to better teams is increasing diversity. We've heard a lot about both the pros and cons of diverse teams. For example, diverse teams are more versatile, but the information they got tend to be too complicated. Or a diverse organization can mobilize more resources, but it's more difficult for its departments to reach a consensus. These shortcomings lead to the perception that diverse teams are not needed at all times. But in this book, the authors offer a whole new perspective to view the perceived shortcomings of diverse teams. A behavioral research lab in Singapore once did a stock trading simulation study. The researchers divided the participants into dozens of groups. Some groups were homogeneous, of participants of the same ethnicity. Other groups included participants of diverse ethnic groups. Each group was asked to hold group discussions and make their bids to buy shares. And how close were their bids to the correct values of the stocks? Actually, each group represented a simple version of a real stock market. The results showed that the diverse markets were much more accurate than the homogeneous markets. The researchers found that in homogeneous markets, since all the members were of the same ethnic group, they trusted one another more and thus tended to blindly follow others' advice. But in a diverse market, the members didn't trust one another that much, so they scrutinized mistakes more intensely and made more objective and accurate decisions. We can conclude from this study that diversity is like a speed bump. It makes the team more skeptical, more difficult to advance the work process or reach a census. But we need such a speed bump when facing challenges in this complex world. With it we can look at our project with a critical eye, find its mistakes, and prevent failures from happening. 
The third approach to building a better team is looking for help from outsiders. You may have been in this situation before. You've been racking your brains to find a solution when someone else comes, they take one look at the problem and immediately points out the key to the solution. When we are in a complex situation, we can feel perplexed by all the information that we have. Sometimes we miss obvious things because we are an insider. Outsiders on the other hand can look at the same thing more objectively and point out mistakes using common sense. This plays an important role in the prevention of meltdowns. Take the example of community banks founded in the US in the late 1990s. Researchers studied the proportion of bankers on each of these banks' boards. They found that all the banks with bankers making up more than half of their board seats closed in 2009 or 2010, falling victim to the Great Recession. By contrast, banks with just 20 to 30 percent of board members as bankers remained in business. A study published in the April 2016 issue of Academy of Management Journal also revealed a similar pattern. Banks that survived had more directors from other backgrounds, which may have had nothing to do with banking. But it was such diversity and expertise that saved the banks in crisis. The sports writer Bill Simmons once wrote, every professional sports team needs to hire a vice president of common sense. And this person doesn't need to be an expert of that sport, attend meetings, or scout prospects. He will be there only when big decisions are to be made, be given all the information, and listened to for his unbiased opinion. The last piece of advice for building a better team is to improve its ability to handle accidents. The world is full of accidents. No one can be 100% sure that things always happen the same way as he or she has expected. Because an accident is often unpredictable, it can bring us big trouble once it happens to a complex system. And if we don't handle it well, a meltdown can be imminent. What should we do then? Marlis Christensen, a management scholar at the University of Toronto points out that the best teams perform their tasks in a cycle of moving from tasks to monitoring to diagnosis, and then back to tasks again. It's like when you are working on your computer when it breaks down, you need to take it to a technician who will perform a diagnosis, find the problem, and fix it. Then, you get your computer back and continue with your work. Sounds simple enough? But not all teams can actually perform such a cycle. It requires the team to stop what it's doing and diagnose if anything is abnormal. However, it's not easy to ask a team to pause when it's fast-forwarding. Imagine this situation. You are a Navy sailor on an aircraft carrier that is about to conduct a military drill. At this point, you find that you missed a tool on the deck, which would certainly cause a catastrophe if it got sucked in a jet engine. If you report this, the drill would stop, and you would be punished. So what would you do? In the face of unexpected events, under huge pressure, many teams would choose to just ignore them and move on even if they know it's wrong. However, this is suicidal. Fortunately, the Navy sailor in the previous story summoned up his courage and reported his mistake. Though the drill had to be called off and losses were incurred his courage was praised. If you look at the teams that were effective, they all have that cycle, says Christensen. He also notes that such teams often have that task monitoring diagnosis cycle multiple times as they quickly move through various diagnoses. With such rapid cycling, they move forward with their tasks fast and steadily, preventing serious mistakes from happening. 